Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Late start today. <laughs> That's some uh, technical That's difficulties right. there for a little bit, but I'm, you know, personally, I, I'm doing awesome, as always. You know, God is good. Yeah, we're going to run into technical difficulties whenever there's a upgrade. You were telling me you have a new headset, so we'll see how that makes you sound. Oh, I had to, <laughs> I did default to my other headset because I, um, I'm not, I'm not at the best with technology all the time. I'd uh, like to think I am though. Well, we'll figure it out eventually. So yep. let's start off today talking a little bit about where I want this podcast can go. As you can tell, I've changed the script on our opening and I really want to start focusing more on what I felt like God was drawing me to for this podcast in the first place. I went to this just revelation because it's the name, but also because my pastor said when you when a Christian hears the word revelation, they think the book in the Bible. Where I was thinking more as an epiphany or an apocalypse where you're reading the Bible and you kind of get this new insight to what you're reading you learn something new sort of thing. So we're going to move more towards that. We're going to finish our study in Revelation, and we're going to do a few of the studies that I promised on, you know, end time stuff, especially since that's kind of where we still are. Uh, Chris, you you looked into what's going on in the world a little more than I did. So uh, you want to tell us what's going on right now? Um. Yeah, if you're regarding to what, 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 what he asked me to look into – essentially was uh, some of the status of what's going on in the Capitol right now and how to, you know, I, I took my own venture myself to compare and contrast that to what it meant to the opposition. And, uh, you know, basically we got something going on in the capital of the, of, of the United States right now at Washington, D.C., where we got people overrunning the, the, the state building, uh, the national building, actually. Um, which is highly illegal, and uh, it was approached with violence and a bit of strange. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen any of the imagery for it, JD, but have you seen some of the strange characters that showed up? No, I've heard a little bit about it, but I haven't really looked into it myself. That's why I asked you to kind of dig into it a bit, because yesterday I completely took a break from doing my normal news stuff that I do every day because we had to go clear to Denver for a doctor's appointment. So, Oh, okay. For sure. Well, essentially what I was getting at in the, in the terms of the opposition, what, what it would mean. I mean, what, what basically what it narrows down to is the MAGA people and the black lives matter people. How would this be fair and equal treatment? And I brought up some of these questions with uh, JD here and what he said is, well, you know, I actually I could pull up the message right now. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> all right. That's good. all right. I can I can I can say it myself again. But um, I said where there. I said it last night. Uh, where there is ide- ideology and lack of God, there is radicalism. And what I would the way I was seeing is that these the people who do these violent acts are usually like the slim majority of any group of people. And I'd say that for either side, you know, the people who riot on the left or the right doesn't matter. They're not the majority of that group. But 
this is a country that's really hurting for the need of the grace of God. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people who put some ideology, left or right, doesn't matter, in the place where we're supposed to put God. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a country that's hurting, that's looking for God, even though they don't know they're doing that. And we've done this radical change. You know, we're we're trying to run away from God as fast as possible in, in the world. And that's where these ideologies fall in and, and just take that place and they become an idol. And that's what I'm seeing. Now, as for the ramifications of, of the them overrunning, oh, sorry, of them, you know, storming the Capitol, that pretty much sealed the deal on Trump having any claim to this being a contested election. So they pretty much just ended his bid to, you know, contest the election. So as far as I see it, it's going to be Biden as president now. There's there's no way I see this turning around after that. Yeah, I definitely um I mean that's that's what it boils down to. Um and we're not trying to say here over at the show that you should uh be taking us either side with that. You know, you you're endowed by your creator to believe what you want and uh make your own opinions. Uh, but we did want to bring that up in, in relation to uh, what what our current events are. And, uh, you know, it's funny is uh, the message I was initially pulled up on my phone uh, to uh, quote you was, and it just made me laugh for a minute. I had to turn off my mic was I make noises to see if you can hear me. Oh no, that was because we had you know technical difficulties. But I kind of feel like this podcast is that is that we're just making noises to see if anyone hears us. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Alrighty. So, what happened last episode? And when I say that, I mean I'm not talking about our Christmas episode. I'm talking about back in Revelation. So. Would you please summarize what we were studying last time? Yes. So uh, this is going to be a little bit to crunch down. Uh, surprisingly, it's not as uh, a, a broad of an a broad of a concept that we've looked into in previous chapters. So uh, if y'all remember, going all the way back to the Golden Bulls, uh, there was these there was these tormented souls. And they essentially, you know, it's it's probably better that I just state the facts for you. <laughs> um, in, in case you didn't notice, we are on chapter 15 of Revelations. And um, doing this chronologically, um, it's a little confusing for me to just say, oh, yeah, well, so basically on Mount Zion, if you ever heard of that, with the lamb that, um, the lamb that represents the lion of Judah, happens to have 144,000 spiritual virgins with them, you might get a little confused. Um, yeah, yeah. Along with that, we had, in our previous chapter, in case anyone didn't get that yet, uh, we had an angel preaching the gospel, and another announcing Babylon's end. If any of you guys don't know what Babylon is, uh, it's an ancient city. That did try to defy or, let's say, cross the barrier of the physical and spiritual world. 
JD likes to bring up the Tower of Babylon. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and Babylon often when it's in this sort of prophetic role, it's playing as any, any empire that's set against God. Yes. So it, we, we've talked about symbology. If you checked out the Christmas episode, there was a, we reviewed a story within the Bible that was Revelations chapter 13 was the child in the 12. Dragon. Yes. And um, basically, you had the symbology of Israel and Jerusalem without even talking about New Jerusalem yet. Well, this was basically uh, stating that there's going to be places where there's going to be a place of very much so, you know, a lot of significance that is going to be representative of evil when there is um, by no means equivalent uh, New Jerusalem, which is going to be all that much greater. You know, heaven is greater than hell. That's what this ending of Babylon meant when this angel was preaching it. Um, as you might imagine, with this, uh, with this being said, uh, God actually brought down his wrath upon this point in tribulation on the worshipers of the beast of the land, which is something that we had covered in previous episodes as well. Beast of the land. Yeah, uh, and he, he, he brings down his wrath on, on this people and this, this whole scene that we just came out of was again, the very end point of tribulation. So as we get into this next section, we're starting again, a little bit back from the end and we're going to see, more destruction and final creation. Right. And a good point is recreation too. Um, not just, not just the end of the world, but what, what is to become of the world when it has been cleansed? How many times have we seen this in the Bible where the world needs to be cleansed of sin, sinners or necessary, um, you know, a necessary means to an end on what it means to eliminate evil for good. Um, and that's, it's, it's the most curious thing. If you, if you, if you do catch up on the last chapter, make sure to check out the part where um, it talks about uh, there was, uh, you know, there was so much blood of these sinners that were, you know, that had been reaped from the world that you had blood rising to the bridles of horses, um, stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Did, did that cover it, bro? Yeah, I think so. And uh, then I have this section, what I missed last episode. I'm not sure if I said this during the actual episode or not, but when we were talking on our Christmas episode, I think I mentioned that uh, Christmas is originally a pagan holiday. Well, I was wrong about that. I believe Christmas is originally a uh, Christian holiday. It's the pagan paganizing I guess you could say, if that's a word, sure. the paganizing of Christmas that I see in the world today. And that's what I was upset about. So uh, uh, there was, there was some winter solstice things that happened before there was a Christmas, but they don't mirror closely enough to what Christmas is to be considered, uh, you know, original to Christmas. So uh, right. I don't yeah. know if I said that here. I don't know if I said that in a conversation with someone you did. else. You but, did talk about how modern culture, or the both of us were, about how like modern culture was taking it to this place that hadn't retained no biblical meaning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I did mention that here, and I just wanted to, you know, 
I, I try to stay incorrect when I'm wrong. So I like to show you guys that I am not a monolithic uh, ideology. So if we got really little scripture today, it's only about 10 lines. So if you'd please read that for us, Betty. Yes, sir. So uh, this is chapter 15 of the book of Revelation. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues last, because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass, glowing with fire and standing beside the sea. Those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the numbers of its name, they held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of nations, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked, and I saw the heaven and the temple, that is, the tabernacle of the covenant of law, uh, of the covenant law, and it was open. By the way, out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bulls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Yes, so we see the the final judgment starting over again. Uh, so not technically over again. We're just looking at it over again in this. So as we go through this, we start hearing about these final seven bowls, which again is a reference to the three sevens that we have kind of focused a lot on this study. So these final plagues are God's final judgment and seals and destroyed a third, uh, the seals destroyed, sorry, a third of the earth and the trumpets a quarter and the bulls are just finishing it all off. So there's not a whole lot left here at the time that the bulls are happening. And many people think that their bulls, the seals and the, and the trumpets are happening kind of at the same time. So you get like the first, first, first and stuff like that. But, um, oh. There is there is people who think that it like you get to the sixth seal and then the seven trumpets happen, you get to the sixth trumpet and then the seven bowls happen and then all the sevens line up at the very end, which is a possibility. It's really hard with with prophetic text, especially when they're not concerned with telling you the exact order of things, especially with the way John writes, he re really likes to bring things that belong together and put them together. He doesn't necessarily like telling stories chronologically. He likes making points with what he's telling. 
So here we have an, another Greek word for the wrath, which is thymos, which is that that hot anger, that that rage against something, that righteous injustice. And this rage being completed means that God has reached His aim with His wrath. So this is just the final, the final judgment of a broken world. And as He does that, He will start recreation, which we will get to in the next couple chapters. Yes, and uh, essentially, also, he is covering the same seven angels, which we talked about, were the seven uh, holy temples or places that were within uh, where you said, like, like um, where in the Middle East, like Asia Minor. Yeah, Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. Very well. So they were all in Turkey. Yeah, those seven churches were, but as we covered in the church episodes, they uh, he was talking directly to these churches, but there's a lot of things that people later on can get still from what he was telling these churches. All right. So um, you said a multitude on the sea of glass. Now, that's not the same sea of glass that we see uh, in uh, God's throne room among the elders, right? Yes, I think it is actually. It's just now it is of uh, glass and fire because this is God recreating. The the fire of judgment in the glass or the sea to reflect God in all his glory. So this is definitely, I believe, that same glass in the throne room. It's often, since the sea is a symbol of chaos in this time, when if a sea was turned to glass, it'd be like imposing ultimate order on chaos. So we hear a lot that there is no sea in the final recreation. And this is talking about, there is no chaos in the final recreation. So if you glass, if you turn a sea to glass, you are removing all the chaos. So we see this, this sea has the fire of recreation in it, which is these judgments passed upon the world. And then there's echoes of Exodus here in God's people, final, final Exodus of a sinful world. This is the final chance of people to come to God. When these seven bowls go, they are, you know, kind of sealing the faith of anyone who hasn't come to God now. Yeah. You probably heard it somewhere before, right? Yeah. Those who have victory over the beast have it in their deaths. So uh, even if, you oppose the beast. He does end up killing people. But if you die in the name of God, you are victorious. And we should see that even today. If we die and we are dying in the name of God, or if we're saved, then we gain victory through our death. So. Amen. These, yeah, these martyrs get to join the 24 elders in worship. So the people who go through persecution and, in are attacked because of God get to a higher place when they get to heaven. They get to, they get harps. They don't just get to sing. They, they get to lead part of the worship. They're, they're elevated. If you have suffered for Christ. And then the sea of glass is also most likely representative of God's word. So he's created everything. He's, he's perfected everything. He's, he's, 
heating up his creation right now. So that's malleable for him to start working into a new creation. So we'll see that again, as I said, in later chapters, we'll get into the actual recreation. And then the song of praise, it has two names here. Uh, I don't know if it actually said the two names, but it says the song of Moses and the song of the lamb. It's not two separate songs. It's actually the same song. It's just referred to by two names. Yes, we went over and, that in a previous chapter as well. When they yeah. uh, when they first iterated on this reiteration, as uh, JD was talking about uh, a few points ago, where uh, and something that we normally bring up on this show is uh, the the continuity of Revelations is pretty mixed up. Sometimes it's going to tell us something else we already know, but from a different perspective, something that needed to be elaborated on more. Uh, and then, of course, the a one hundred percent awesome action that is uh, the most essential things you need to know about the trial of tribulation and revelation, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and as we've seen before, this song is rooted in the Old Testament, and it gives praise to several things about God. So when we when this song is uh, great and marvelous are your works, just and true are your ways. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you are holy. All nations shall come and worship before you. So this is that that poem. It's a song now. The angels are singing it. And it kind of gives us an idea of how we should praise our God here today. And we need to... The great and marvelous are your works. We need to praise how God works in this world. We need to, to re- realize how he is working around us. As my pastor often says, you see where God's working, you go that way. Uh, great or just and true are your ways. Our God is uh, a God of justice and truth. So we need to make sure that we thank him that he is leading us in that way. And then, uh, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. God's worthiness. He is worthy of all praise. And something interesting here, this kind of has to do with my testimony. I had to come to a place where I feared God before I could believe in God. And it's kind of interesting that we get to this point, and I'm kind of thinking about that now, where... I couldn't just accept, because I'm a very critical, scientific-minded person, I couldn't just accept God existed until I understood and feared his power, you know? I, I I couldn't come to a place where I was like, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, until I understood who God was and feared him. And you see this a lot with, uh, you'll hear about people in the Bible who feared God, but they weren't believers. And I think I had to come to that place. And I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have to come to that place too. But I just wanted to mention that because that's where I, I kind of just had that little bit of epiphany. And then uh, all nations uh, shall... The testimony you of yours, uh, that testimony of yours isn't just a little bit of an epiphany. It's your epiphany. So, um, yeah, right. I mean, respect uh, that, you know, I, I think God gives that to each one of us very uniquely, um, whether it is a way of being raised in Christ, um, finding your way in life to him. 
it's unique for every individual and uh, never disregard your own testimony. Everything is worth sharing in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a testimony, it is unique to you and it is worth sharing. So don't, don't feel shy to share your testimony. If you ever get a chance to, it might be a little overwhelming, especially if you're not used to speaking to other people, but you'll get, you'll get used to it. We got used to it. So we're very used to it. In this, Can't you tell? Yeah, now we are. Yeah. We're, we're naturals behind the mic now. Uh, carrying on all nations shall come and worship before you. So we hear back in the beginning of revelation, every knee shall bend before you. And this is also talking about how in the last days, everyone will know who God is. Everyone will worship God, whether or not they believe in, and, and this is the last, you know, the last opportunity to get on the boat sort of thing. And then once risen in heaven, all focus is on God, not the wrongs that have befallen the people in their old lives. And, you know, I got to kind of contest that point that I made when I was studying, because there are the martyrs who are under the altar who are asking when, when God will we be, you know, justified in our deaths. And uh, I think we do worry about that in heaven, especially if we had wrongful deaths, but I don't think it consumes us as it would here because we'll have perfect bodies and our spirits will be renewed. We won't have the want to get revenge, which if you look in today's society, there's a lot of people wanting to get revenge on other people for things they have done. And we can look forward once we're gone. If we are in Christ, to a time where we aren't consumed by revenge, where we will be free of that want to extract justice because we will be in the presence of perfect justice and we'll understand that whatever God's judgment is on those who've wronged us is the right thing, regardless of what we might have thought to begin with. I said it better myself, although you're much better at saying it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I try and let the spirit talk through me. So back to the seven angels. They are clothed in white linen and girded with gold bands. So we know that the white linens from previous studies is this shine of purity and sign of, of spiritual cleanness. And then we have these golden bands, which means they are exalted over others. We see this, uh, that this Wait, reminds exalted? I'm sorry, the 144,000? We're still talking no, about the that? seven angels. We're talking about the seven oh, angels Oh, okay, now. right, right. Uh, I think there's one place somewhere else in, in Isaac. I don't remember exactly. I'm not going to go over that. But the golden bands is just to say that these people who are wearing these white linens with golden bands are a step above for whatever reason. In this case, it's the seven angels, which, you know, these are the people carrying out God's judgment. Uh -huh. So this, this, this imagery is to remind us that these angels are working in God's power. They're not, this isn't them. This is God's judgment. And then the temple of the tabernacle it was referring to is talking about the one in heaven, not the one down here on earth which may be recreated at the time of the final tribulation. 
Uh, they come. Bro, what what is a tabernacle? So the tabernacle is is a fancy way of saying the house of God. So it could be a temple. It could be us like it is today where we are considered the temple. So God, you know, God's Holy Spirit resides in us when we accept Christ into our lives. So anywhere this you see tabernacle, you need to think this is where God resides in whatever place you're talking about. So if it's talking about the one in heaven, it's the, the, the final temple that we seen at the beginning of this, where it was talking about, he walks into the temple and he sees all the angels, you know, worshiping, that would be the tabernacle because God is there in the center. Or if you're talking back in Exodus, where they build the tabernacle, where God comes down in seats, his glory among the people. So just tabernacle means residence of God. Oh, okay. That, that, that brings so much more clear. To, I mean, I've, I've heard that word for years and I think at one point I knew what it meant. Yeah. And when, if you go back to Exodus, it talks a lot about the, the physical tabernacle that they built. And it has a lot of descriptions on how it was built and how they had to put it up and take it down and who was allowed to go into the inner sanctums and stuff like that. But when, when you hear tabernacle, you just need to think this is where God is residing at this point. So, uh-huh. which is kind of funny because God is omnipresent. So he's kind of everywhere all the time, but as far as where he concentrates his, his authority, his presence, that's where the tabernacle is. All right. Or as you said, also like a body, a body consisting there of God. Yeah, yeah, because as it says uh, in some of the the epistles, we are now the temple, so God resides in us, so we are technically the tabernacle now. But when this is talking about tabernacle, it's talking about the perfect one in heaven. All right, yeah, that that makes that, that clarified it for me. Thank you. Good. I think I heard you Good. this first time you said that. Yeah. So now we go move on to the bowls of God's glory. This is. You know, the bowls of wrath that we're going to read about for the next two chapters. And these aren't, when you say, when you think bowl, I mean, a lot of people probably think like, you know, those deep cereal bowls. These are like ritual bowls. These are uh, like shallow salad bowls, I'd say. You know, the big serving salad bowls that you can get. This is what it's talking about. It's this, this big, broad bowl that's really easy to dump out. So, they were often used seriously. My phone is on silent and it still rang. They were used for the incense, right? Yeah. They were used to burn incense. They were used to, in pagan rituals. They were used to clean, to catch blood. Uh, actually, uh-huh. uh, yeah. If you ever watch the, the show Vikings, they use these broad bowls a lot in those kind of rituals, which, is an interesting way to to get experience with with what those bulls are, but um, that's that's all you ever need out of that. Trust us. <laughs> yeah, no, there's. It's actually kind of interesting if I if you in you know uh, endure my ranting a little bit. That story, the Vikings, is is not a bad story if you're a Christian because they're not terribly. They're not terribly on one side or the other 
So if you're a Christian watching it, or if you're a pagan watching it, or if you're an atheist watching it, you can come away very much with your own worldview still intact. They don't strictly say the Christian's crazy, the pagan's crazy. You know, they don't say that. They very much show these things that could be happening inside the characters' minds or could be actual forces in the world. So when I'm watching it as a Christian, I'm seeing these these powers work and they have these visions of these these things and I'm connecting it to the spiritual world that I know. So when there's something bad, when Odin shows up, which he shows up in this in the show many times, it's they could be, you know, hallucinating this, but when I see it, I'm like, yes, that is real. That guy is experiencing this right now. And when I think of gods like Odin, I think of them as demons because that's what they really are, you know. So I still don't know the, what has to do with Minnesota, but you know. Minnesota, what? Uh, I mean, it's, it's that was a port oh, joke Vikings? in poor taste. Oh yes. my gosh. You can't sports joke with someone who doesn't watch sports. <laughs> It says, it says uh, legitimately my high school's former center lineman, but yeah, I know I was tackled too in varsity, but gosh, I, that totally flew over my head. <laughs> Anyways, back to our story, back to our study. Um, yes. So we have the smoke of the glory of God is the same as back when, when Moses, if you go and read Exodus, is talking about this pillar of fire or smoke that is leading the people out of Israel. This is that same kind of smoke. It is around the glory of God. It is this this representation of the presence of God. <sighs> then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting in the glory. Oh, this is back in Exodus. Excuse me. Chapter 40, 34 through 38. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses, and Moses, Moses, and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in their, in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and its fire over it by night, in the sight of all the houses of Israel throughout all their journeys. So that is what this is referencing to again, is that that presence of the Lord. Yes, because he did embody himself in the form of fire when he had first revealed himself to the uh, newly dubbed Moises Moses. <laughs> really? Really? Is that going to be a thing? You're just going to call him Moises from now on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways. And with this blocking of the temple, the events of judgment can no longer be reversed. This is the, this is the final, as I've said a hundred times, this is the final thing. This, when the glory of the Lord settles upon the temple, he is closing the doors. No one else can come to him. No one else can be saved at this point. We are going into the final recreation. So when the seven bowls are cast out on the world, it is the final heating of the iron he's about to reshape. So this is the end. If you see this 
and you have not been taken up to heaven or you are not saved, there is no more hope for you at this point. Oh, I've been wondering that for, for how long now? I'm like, okay, so when is the what is the actual like cutoff point? Because there's a book series called The Left Behind, and like the heat of that series is uh, when the people that have redeemable qualities only find themselves in a better footing after the fact of the well during cataclysm when you know they can't just be sent up to heaven. Yeah, I honestly have not read the Left Behind series, so I don't know a whole lot about it, but uh, this would be the final closing of the door. So during tribulation, if you're alive, uh, congratulations. You now have to prove that you are going to follow Christ no matter what. Um, You will suffer for it. And if you don't, if you turn away from God, he will eventually shut the door. So, and this is that end point. So from this point on, there is no more people being accepted into heaven. There's no one else being saved. Everyone who is still on the earth and who is going to be reaped or has been reaped is, is now going to hell. (laughs) So, uh, uh, well, okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know, a major, major, um, emphasis on that is the fact that they do still go to hell because, well, I would say arguably because hell on earth was, a living hell. Now they have to endure. Uh, of course, anyone that had decided not to, they have to endure the torment of their own sin, what they've dealt to others. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what hell is. And, and like I said, I believe it was last episode where we were talking about chapter fourteen. I believe that since we are given second life, if we are in Christ, that. Yes, our souls aren't destroyed. This is where I I, am in the eternal damnation group where in hell you, yeah, your soul still exists, but you're not alive. You're dead. You're just an ethereal being who will be tortured for the rest of your days or for the rest of eternity. So very much it is uh, the, the hell of death at this point. This is the the non-physical existence torment that you will go through until eternity is over. So it's very much preferable to uh, be reborn and have life in heaven where we will have physical bodies and jobs and we will go out and do wonderful things for God. It's just not sitting on clouds, playing harps and praising God all day. We will praise God in everything we do in heaven. So. Yes, just to, just to make that a little more cheery because we kind of ended on a, a, a dark note there. <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah, I mean, I, I I want a job. I don't know about you. I mean, you I, have I've, a job. Well, yeah, I know, but I've kind of been like daydreaming about what my job in heaven will be, and I, I've got some intonations of what it could be. Maybe someday I'll I'll entertain it on this podcast. But it's just it's an interesting thing to think about. It's not terribly important. You know, I'll be happy with whatever the Lord wants me to do, but it's fun to think about. Yes, and uh, definitely share that sometime when we have more time. Unfortunately, folks, we are uh, reaching toward the end of our podcast today. 
Yeah. So take away for today. If we stay faithful in Christ, we are freed up from our worry about what happens to this world. All things will go according to his plan. And this book tells us all hell will break loose before heaven comes down to earth. So even if this isn't the final cataclysm, speaking of today, we should endure it as there is always a rainbow after the storm, a light at the end of the tunnel. God's world is nothing if not archetypal, and the good days are ahead of us no matter how dark it gets. So kind of bringing that back around to what's happening today, even if it gets worse, even if things get worse, there is always a brighter future. Got anything else to add, Chris? Uh, you know, I feel like we've we've really talked about that in past episodes, and uh, boy, buddy, you you really hit the nail on the head with that. I'll just I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, I'll wrap us up then. Thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand Podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time. 